here's what I need. And if you're not capable of, of providing it to me, it's okay. Somebody else in the world will, or plenty of people will, but you just might not be that person. So when you learn that though, then it's, it's like freeing because you're not running around trying to attach and control everybody and change them. You're giving them this freedom to be who they are and you're owning who you are and really standing in your worth and saying, treat me this way. If you don't want to, that's fine. It's just, there's consequences to that. And I just might not be in your life in the same capacity. Welcome back to Diary of an Empath. Okay, guys, I'm super excited for this episode. We did an episode a while back on ghosting, and I want to bring back Amy Fiedler because she was such a wealth of knowledge in these areas. And I had a lot of you asking to do an episode about boundaries. So for those of you that didn't tune in to that episode, Amy is a three-time published author. She's a certified holistic life coach, a certified trauma support specialist a Reiki master. And of course, she has an amazing podcast that you have to check out. We'll definitely link that at the end of the episode as well. She's just a jack of all trades. So Amy, thank you so much for coming back. I'm, I'm excited to have you on. And uh, um, what have you been up to these days? Because I, I think that the last episode we did was just awesome. And, and I want my guests to kind of get an idea of what you do in your background. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed being here the last time and really digging into the topic of ghosting, which is a popular topic that I hear about often. Uh, but you know, since then, it's just been me working with people one-on-one and, and really digging into helping them transform their unhealthy behaviors in their relationships or set some boundaries, possibly to leave or transform their toxic relationships, learn better skills at communicating, really adapt to nonviolent communication versus like attacking, blaming, punishing people, and, and, and just, you know, really improve the quality of their life and, and their love life. So I'm just curious because you know, you you dive so deep into a lot of these topics. What got you into this this niche of yours? Was there something that happened to you in your background? What really got you excited and into this? Because I see you doing so much work with other people. And I tend to find that sometimes when people are healers themselves, they have some type of background in this or things that they went through when they were younger. So is there something that got you into this field? Yeah, I mean, I struggled a lot as a teenager. And and I would agree, I think a lot of people who want to help other people, especially in this capacity. I mean, yeah, we get paid and and I enjoy what I do. But if I was after the money, I would I would be on a pole somewhere making easy cash. Right? Like I wouldn't be listening to people. I, I'm not gonna lie. It's gone through my head once or twice. And I'm like, I just can't do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's personal, right? Like when I was a teenager, I struggled really, really heavily with, with emotions and just the environment I grew up in was, was toxic. It really was. My parents are good people. And I say this every time I tell this story, I do have a, as good of a relationship. I feel as I'm going to get with them as an adult, but they have unhealthy tendencies and, and rather abusive tendencies at times that they don't even realize are abusive. But as a teenager, I was suicidal. I was severely depressed, anxious. I had OCD, the whole nine yards. Um, and there's a story I often tell people where my most vivid memory that kind of started this path at a very young age was I wanted to die. And I remember laying in my childhood bedroom and calling my mom in and looking at her and saying, I don't want to live anymore. And she yelled at me and was like, I didn't raise you to say things like that. And I lost it even more. That moment really, I mean, it was a series of moments, but that one in and of itself really woke me up to realize she is just not capable of supporting me through the things that I need support with. And so I asked her if I could speak to somebody else professionally. And she said, yes, but don't tell your father. He'll think you're crazy. 
She does not to this day actually remember saying these things to me, which, you know, for, for what it's worth, I can't speak on her behalf. It's possible she doesn't remember saying them in the moment when, when people react that way. It can often just be in that moment and they're heated and, and they're emotionally reactive. But I went to conventional therapy and the, I didn't have a good experience. And, and that's kind of the gist of it. I, I was diagnosed. I was put on medicine. I wasn't like my problems were not addressed from an individual level. Nobody helped me understand why I was struggling or feeling the things I felt. And so throughout my, my, you know, life going to different therapists and kind of getting the same treatment led me down a more spiritual path, led me down a more, you know, self-help path. And I, I started helping myself and adapting these different ways of really understanding my emotions, which then led me here to want to help other people, obviously, and, and specifically help the people that are not getting the help that they really want and deserve from what we would think are qualified professionals. Now, just a brief disclaimer, I know that conventional therapy and medicine help many people. That just wasn't working for me personally. And a lot of the people that show up and, and want to talk to me have had similar experiences. So it kind of fuels this and, and the passion that I have to, to really dig into my stuff and help them understand their lives better. That was really powerful. Um, we have a lot in common. I grew up in a very dysfunctional household and it wasn't that my, my mom was a bad person but a lot of those abusive cycles, a lot of the ways that she reacted to the things that happened to me, just mm-hmm. when I look back at it, it wasn't appropriate as I would do for my daughter. Just some of the reactions with the traumas that I had or some of the things that I went through. I was 15, I think, when I attempted suicide. And I remember in my mind, not really wanting to do it, not really thinking I was going to really go through with it, but voicing it. And I got a similar reaction. And Mm -hmm. I look back at that and the rages that my mom would have, the ups and downs, the very borderline personality traits that she had, the very, um, I was either like really good or really bad. There was really no in between for my mom. And I just remember kind of growing up very dysfunctional in a way. And a lot of the same reasons why you got into healing is the same reasons I did. I had to find my own path. I felt like I really didn't have a lot of help finding my path. I kind of just had to find my own way. I did traditional therapy. I then became a therapist and I found that my clients, some of them would get help, but I could do years and years of work with them and I would see very little changes with most people. But then when I started doing my spiritual work, I saw more changes from doing those types of um, uh, treatments and even mixing them than I did traditional therapy. And I found that for me, as I got older, boundaries was very difficult for me, especially when it came to romantic relationships specifically. So my question to you is, you know, for those that are listening and who are maybe starting to resonate with some of the things that are saying that we are talking about, why are boundaries important? Because not everybody may understand what they are or why they're important to to have in your life. Yeah, I, I was one of those people. I, I mean, our house didn't have bound. I didn't even know what that word meant for years and years and years. So, you know, and when I did learn it, I had to really teach it to myself, which is fascinating now when I'm teaching other people, they're like, how are you so good at this? And I'm like, God, I have no idea. Because <laughs> nobody taught me. But you know, boundaries really set a solid foundation for us in, in all of our relationships, friendships, you know, our, our work relationships, coworkers, colleagues, things like that. Romance. I too, we, we do have a ton in common because, because I too struggled severely in, in my romantic relationships. I really didn't have all that much trouble with friendships or things like that, but it was the most intimate relationships for me that, you know, our parental relationships set the tone for that. What, what they say is acceptable, we tend to take into those other intimate relationships in our life. But, you know, boundaries allow us to respect ourselves. And, and for me, I'm not sure for you as well, but 
respect was often confused with obedience and control for me growing up. So my parents would demand respect, but it was because I was disagreeing with them and I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. It wasn't actual respect. So when I grew up and tried to be in a relationship, I was like, you need to respect me. I didn't know how to cultivate that. And I think that was really kind of the game changer for me, realizing that shouting it at people was not working. I had to figure out what I needed to do differently to allow in that respect and, and, you know, push out the people or the situations that weren't willing or capable, you know, and, and I try to see, because I've had that relationship with my parents, I try to see everybody through a filter of like, they're not trying to hurt me. They're not out to get me, but you know, they might just not be capable or willing or equipped to meet my standards or respect me the way I need to respect it, be respected. And that, that is also a game changer when you learn boundaries, because it becomes less this, this action of, you know, like, let me control you and what you're doing to me or with me and more, Hey, here's what I need. And if you're not capable of of providing it to me, it's okay. Somebody else in the world will, or plenty of people will, but you just might not be that person. So when you learn that though, then it's, it's like freeing because you're not running around trying to attach and control everybody and change them. You're giving them this freedom to be who they are and you're owning who you are and really standing in your worth and saying, treat me this way. If you don't want to, that's fine. It's just, there's consequences to that. And I just might not be in your life in the same capacity anymore. So do you think that there's a connection with childhood or even trauma when it comes to people who have more of a hard time having boundaries with other people? I would say in, in my experience and my work, that's really what I say is that there's been some lack of boundary setting in their childhood environment or some form of trauma or abuse. I can't say that's, you know, across the board for everybody, obviously, but the bulk of people that I work with, yes, absolutely. There has been some sort of childhood experience or environment that didn't have boundaries and they were led to behaviors like people pleasing or, you know, codependency um, tolerating, you know, like I had all of the above. I tolerated abuse. I also was abusive in some capacity, right? Because people pleasing is very manipulative, but we don't think of it that way. We think of it like I need my needs met and this is how I'm going to get my needs met, or this is how you're not going to abandon me. Let me just appease you and please you and really take care of you and attach to you. And so a lot of people have that in some capacity and and may or may not even realize it because I'll get people and uh, I'm sure you do on some level as well that sit in front of me and go, I had a great childhood. And you're like, um, yeah. I believe you. I believe that you see it that way. But if we get really honest, I'm sure that there was something, right? Because no, none of us are perfect. And the way I, I know really great people now who have children who are struggling and you could look at them and go, why are they struggling? Well, because how they filter information and what they take away from witnessing you, you have no control over. You could be an amazing parent and really educate them, but how they're perceiving and receiving it, you don't know. And I wonder too, if trust then affects boundaries too, the the trust that you had with your parents, because if you can't, if something happened to you when you were a child, or if you have a more avoidant parent and you're that trust is not established as a child, I can't trust my mother. I can't trust my father. I would then think that as an adult, you would have a difficult time upholding those boundaries with other people. If that trust factor is not there, or if you never learned how to trust as an infant or as a toddler or as a child going into adulthood. A hundred percent. You don't, you, you've never established that type of experience. So, you know, like I can say very transparently, I still to this day struggle with trust in my closest relationships because the closest relationships that I had growing up were not trustworthy ones. They were not honest. They were not consistent. 
They were not stable. They were not supportive. They weren't safe. And so just from a physiological standpoint, my nervous system immediately, like the hypervigilance in me is like, oh my God, you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. You're lying to me. Like, let me find all of the reasons to support this belief system. It's hard work to rebuild that trust with yourself. And that's really what it is, right? Like when you've had that experience with your parents, you don't trust others, but more so you don't trust you in relation to others. And when I realized that, like, it's not me having to run around and figure everybody else out. It's me having to figure myself out and how to stand behind what I need and what I want and really uphold those boundaries. Trusting that then brings that stability and that consistency and that support into these relationships. But to do that takes time and effort and like, I mean, I've been doing this for God knows decades at this point with myself and it's still, you have a new experience or you enter a new relationship and it's a new layer to have to look at and really dig into. And it's hard work. It it really is. I'm so glad that you brought up the nervous system. I, I just did a podcast episode that touched base on this and sometimes our body, our nervous system doesn't know when to shut off. And so I would get a lot of clients and even in my own history, why am I anxious? I I don't have a reason to be anxious or maybe, oh, I never had a traumatic event. Well, your nervous system doesn't always know how to regulate itself. You have to teach yourself how to rewire it. And sometimes that anxiety, the trust, the things that you're experiencing now can stem from an overactive nervous system. You literally have to rewire the brain. You have to rewire the nervous system. So it's not just from a psychological standpoint, but a physiological standpoint as well. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, that when you're working on yourself, it's not easy to just wake up and say, okay, today I'm going to be happy. So you know, forgive yourself, allow yourself that space, because even though you're trying and, and if you feel like you're not making strides, it might be other factors that you have to work on, like your nervous system. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. So for those that are trying to maybe set better boundaries with other people, how do how does someone know when they need to set a boundary with someone? Something hurts you, right? Like it's that simple. Something hurts you. And and this is where we complicate it though, right? Because because when you do have that awareness of like I could have trauma. It could be my nervous system reacting to something from my past that's not present. Then you question that. You're like, am I really hurt by this? Or is this me projecting something onto the experience? It doesn't matter either way. If it hurts you now, it hurts you. And you need to speak up. When you have supportive people in your life, you know, like like my boyfriend now, I mean, this is the healthiest relationship I've ever been in in my entire life. And it's all new to me. He's all new. So he's had a healthy upbringing. I have not had a healthy upbringing. Luckily, he has a master's in counseling. (laughs) And he's probably a secure attacher too, which is great. Yeah. it's, It's really supportive and really nice. And he's very patient with me. And he also knows I'm going to do my work, right? Like if I realize I'm struggling, I'm going to take it and figure it out. I'm not going to make him figure it out for me. But you know, to your point, like I will often misinterpret things or, you know, misunderstand things because I'm filtering it through my past. And he is very good at being like, I understand why you feel that way. However, that is not my intention, right? Like I'm not trying to hurt you. Whereas like for me, people have only ever tried to hurt me. Like the closest people have deliberately tried to hurt me. So that's that. You know, when you speak about trauma, it's like, I need more experiences of that to, to outgrow it, so to speak, right. To to no longer feel unsafe in the presence of someone who is actually safe. And so if it hurts you, that is your indicator. If this is annoying me, if this is frustrating me, if this is hurting my feelings, if this is making me feel insecure or unsafe or unsupported in any capacity, that is your opportunity. And I always encourage anyone, get clear with yourself first before just like lashing out. You know, you have to regulate, manage your own emotions before having a productive conversation. But once you get clear on 
this is the thing that is hurting me. You know, when you speak to me in this tone or when you don't call me and communicate where you are, whatever it is, then have that conversation and supportive people in your life are always going to be willing to respect you or meet you in the middle and compromise. So it sounds like recognizing those triggers, maybe whether physiological triggers or ways that you're feeling, or maybe certain thoughts that you have are then it's kind of like that light bulb moment to say, okay, I think this is probably a time that I need to have a boundary with somebody. And if they respect you, if they love you, if they care about you, they're going to be willing to have a conversation. And that's, that's a hard lesson that I learned. And I had to get to a point where if they leave my life, if they walk out the door, even if it hurts me, I'm just going to let them go. Because if you can't have a conversation with me and I'm saying, hey, this bothers me or this is my hope or my expectation. And if you're just going to ghost me or if you're just going to walk out the door, block me or do whatever it is or gaslight me, then you're probably not the right person to be in my life. Or maybe you already, you know, you had a chapter in my life, but you're not meant there. You're not meant to be in the entire book. And that's, that was something that I really had to learn to accept because it was those triggers that when I would have those people walk out of my life and hurt me, it was kind of like that domino effect of the trauma. But I got to a point really recently, I would say this year that I've accepted it. And instead of getting upset about it, I just said, you know what, this is actually really good because I don't want those people in my life anyway. So I'm now making room for healthy people. So if you have all these unhealthy, toxic people in a room with you and you are not allowing them to walk out that door, you're not going to create space and room for the people who are healthy for you. So that right there, what you said, speaks so much to me and resonates. It's so powerful because I think there's so many people out there that are struggling with this, especially when it comes to family. I think that toxic family members is probably another level of difficulty with having boundaries. So you know, what would your, um, you know, what would you say is a good way for people who are listening, who are maybe dealing with toxic family members to have boundaries with them, especially if they can't, you know, cut them out of their lives? (laughs) It is hard work. I, I mean, you are speaking to a pro here. I both with my mom and my dad, I, have trialed and erred so many different ways to go about this. But what, what you first have to do is identify, you know, what hurts you, as you said, you know, the triggers that you have. And an example I often use when I'm referencing my parents and boundaries is, you know, the household that we grew up in, there was no healthy communication. It was screaming and yelling all the time. And for me now, being removed from that, when somebody's voice gets to that level, when they raise their voice at me, when they're angry or whatever, I shut down. I, I just freeze in that moment and cannot function. So I don't want to be around that. Like it's plain and simple. And what I notice, just to add this in here, is a lot of people identify that and then go, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm going to have to figure out a way to tolerate that because that's unrealistic to tell people not to yell. I'm like, no, it's not. If you are uncomfortable with that, you're allowed to be uncomfortable with that. So I would rather have a productive conversation where you're able to manage your emotions. My parents are just not that people. They're, they're, they, they yell and scream, even when they're talking about normal stuff from room to room, they're screaming at each other. So when I go to visit them, I clearly say, listen, this is your house. You can do what you want in it, but I'm not going to stick around if you're going to choose to yell and bicker and scream or name call and or take it out on me. I don't want to witness it between you two and I don't want it coming at me. So I'll just come back another day when you're in a better space and this is not happening. And the more I've done that, like I used to, come and say that and then stick around regardless of what they did. And that sends a mixed signal. I'm saying one thing and I'm doing the opposite. And I'm basically telling them, Hey, you're going to get me regardless of what you do. And it only hurt me when I walked away. So if you have difficult family members, you have to be able to identify these things 
And then what I call an exit strategy is what you've got to come up with. You have to figure out if I enter into that environment or that conversation and this goes down, what am I going to say or do that's going to respect me? And for me, it was tell them, tell them and then follow through, leave. That was the hardest thing for me to do was walk out and leave because my mother will chase you. She will chase you out that door and down the driveway and scream and yell and turn it into something much greater than it needs to be. So that was hard. I was like, oh my God, if I say no to this woman, it's just going to escalate. But you get to a point where you're like, I am worth more than having to feel shitty or you know, be demeaned because you're having a bad day and you want to take it out on the random person in your house. So, you know, come up with that exit strategy with your family members specifically, but with anyone in your life, figure out what am I going to say that's going to respect me? And what am I going to do that's going to match what I'm saying? Because otherwise saying one thing and doing another, and you're basically giving them a mixed signal and they're never going to respect you that way. We teach people how to treat us. We do. And that's, that's so powerful because if you are saying one thing, doing another, you're teaching them how to treat you. I'm a firm believer that we teach everyone around us how to treat us. My mom was so chaotic growing up. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that she's borderline personality disorder and she had trauma when she was younger. So it carried forth into my life and my dad wasn't really around. And I had a lot of that chaoticness, the abuse, the sometimes physical abuse, the emotional abuse. And as I got older, my mom would have these rages and I had to learn how to disconnect. And it's interesting because I have more of an anxious attachment style, a little bit more secure now when it comes to dating. But when it comes to my mom, I'm very avoidant. I have 100% an avoidant attachment style with my mom. And as I've gotten older, Now that she doesn't have that control over me because I'm so independent now, it's gotten easier for me to make that detachment. But my mom works in cycles and just like your mom, she has to have like, she has to say what she has to say and and it can be something small and it will turn into something so big and I've learned not to react. So I'll see the paragraphs, I'll let her yell and then I get to the point where I say, okay, if this is how you're going to react, I'm not going to respond because it's not conducive to me or you. I treat her like a coworker. You always have coworkers that you don't necessarily like, but I keep it professional and I say what I have to say and be very direct and I cut that contact. And eventually she comes back around and acts like nothing happened. And that's okay. I have accepted. <laughs> I've accepted that this is who she is and she's not going to change. And I have accepted that I will keep her around as long as she can behave and not yell and not say crazy things. And if she does, I cut that contact. And when she wants to come back around and stop the tantrum, then I will allow her back in. I know that sounds harsh, but that's what I have to do to protect my energy. And those are my boundaries for myself. And I have found that I'm much more happier and it doesn't um, emotionally affect me as much as when it did before I was capable of of holding those boundaries. And it's hard sometimes, but it's my mom. Like, what well, are you, you going to yeah. do? You well, know? so that's the confusing part about family, right? Is we've got an expectation of how they should have treated us. We've got comparison of how other friends or families behave with each other. At, well, at least for me, that's how it happens, right? Like I'm looking at how my friend's mom and her interact and I'm like, why well, can't you be like that? And then you get to a point where you accept them. But then you get confused is accepting them, tolerating them. No, there's a clear distinction between I accept this is who you are and these are your limitations. That doesn't mean I'm going to tolerate your bad behavior or your temper tantrums. And and that the other part that I think is really important is like, those are the boundaries that work for you. They're not harsh. They work for you. And what's going to work for someone else is going to work for them. And it's going to be unique to their situation. You know, some people might watch or hear me tell a story about my parents and go, I don't know why you stay in touch with them. And I go, cause I find value in these relationships. That's my business. These are the relationships I want to maintain, but they've changed over time and they continue to change. 
And I also have gotten to a place in my life where I no longer internalize the way they behave. And I start to look at them through the filter of like, you're hurt, you're really hurt. And I can only imagine how your upbringing was. I've only heard bits and pieces because you guys suppress and repress. But at the end of the day, like I see hurt and pain and it's not fair to me but I'm not, so I'm not going to endure it, but I can have compassion for you and I can have empathy for you. And I don't have to tell you to go, you know, F off or like block you out of my life, but there are going to be boundaries. There is going to be more distance if you're going to continue to behave in ways that are not productive for my life. And I love how you brought up compassion and empathy, because especially for those of us that are empaths or are just highly sensitive people, we tend to always see the good in people and we're healers. So we naturally can be understanding. We have empathy for the things that they go through. And I have found that, especially when it comes to dating in my past, I have been in situation with narcissists or with people who had um, all this trauma that they needed healed, that I was so understanding that I, I tended to gravitate towards men that weren't necessarily good for me. And it took a lot of work to start recognizing that. So for those that are maybe dating or in relationships that tend to gravitate towards these narcissistic relationships or towards relationships or even dating someone that doesn't necessarily do things that are good for them, how can they hold up these boundaries in the relationships? And what does that look like? When do they know that they need to have a boundary when it comes to dating or relationships? God, that was so hard for me. Like I had been in so many toxic and abusive relationships with men and, and it was so hard because it was like all boundaries went out the window. If, if I was romantically linked to you, it, all I needed to do was make you love me and convince you to love me and do everything I could to keep you around and avoid abandonment. So I, I think the first step for anyone is to to really be able to before, if, if they haven't entered a relationship yet and they're just dating, start with the mindset of getting really clear with yourself on what you need and what you want. Like, how do you want to be spoken to? How do you want to be treated? How often do you want to be communicated with? Like all these things seem to be things that we overlook at times when we don't have boundaries. And when you get really clear on what you're available for, then what happens is you don't have these blind spots anymore. When you suddenly meet someone, you're very clear and you're able to uphold with yourself. I just, I don't like being texted with that way, or I don't like being spoken to that way. And it gives you the opportunity to speak up for yourself and then step back and witness how they behave, you know, coming back at you. And you have to be coming from a place that you mentioned earlier, where you're a little more detached and a little more mindful of yourself, right? Detached from them and mindful of yourself. So if you know the value of what you need and what I, what I tell people to do to, to get clear on this is if you identify, I want to be spoken to this way. What happens to you if you weren't spoken to that way? Like for me, if I'm yelled at, I shut down, I freeze. I can't have a conversation with you my whole body goes into fight, flight, or freeze mode. Like I am done for the day. It is, I'm knocked out. This is not healthy for me. So if that's the trajectory of me being spoken to that way, then the value of me upholding this boundary is really, really, really important because I do not want to go there. And so when you can, when you can identify that, like I feel severe anxiety if somebody is not communicative with me or someone is not clear in their communication. Then you know going into to dating what to look for. And that really helped me and, and, and change the way I was approaching dating. Because the way I approached dating in the past was very much from a perspective of, I need to convince you to love me and convince you that I'm really great for you. Not, are you really great for me? Are you meeting my needs? Are you meeting my standards? Are you going to be able to respect my boundaries? It was the other way because I was, I was looking at them like they were my parents. And I was just like searching for love in all of the wrong places. 
So for anyone dating or even in a relationship, like I get a lot of married folks that have been married for, I don't know, decades and they've got children. They got married young. They're just starting to understand what boundaries are now. They're, I mean, elbow deep in their marriage at this point. So they're on the verge of wanting to leave because it's a very binary way of thinking. I don't know what boundaries are. I'm not getting my needs met. I guess that means I got to go. And I have worked to help them really speak up, identify these things, really know how to manage and regulate their triggers. So, so they can salvage the relationship that's at, that's there. And that is really fulfilling to them. They just couldn't see beyond those, that the feeling of resentment or anger of their needs not being met. So that's really the starting point. Identify what you need and know the value of needing it and then be able to speak up for yourself. I teared up a bit because that trigger with the parents and wanting to make that person love you as opposed to what are you bringing to me? That is exactly 90% of my relationships in my 20s and early 30s. That's Mm -hmm. probably the majority of what I experienced. And I was more of an anxious attachment style. And and I remember even, I'm not going to lie, I was that person. I would send the paragraphs. I would send the messages. And (laughs) I've, I've been there. I've been there. And it took a lot of work to recognize those patterns and to say, okay, I'm not going to send these paragraphs right now. What is this person doing for me? And I have found that it is better for me to just communicate because I know a lot of people, I even have a lot of clients that are like, well, I don't want him to think I'm too clingy. I don't want him to think I'm too needy. He hasn't called me in three days. What should I do? I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to completely back off and I'm just going to act like this never happened. Instead of just communicating, hey, this is my boundary. I haven't heard from you in three days. When I'm dating someone, I prefer to talk to them every day. And I have found that when I do that, it makes me feel empowered. I'm holding my boundary. I'm saying, hey, you know what? These are some of the things that I personally like because I know that I can't be in a relationship with someone who only contacts me every four to five days. I can't be in a relationship where I don't feel like someone is pursuing me or someone who has more of an avoidant avoidant attachment style. It's not conducive for me, but it took me a long time to get there and I'm still working on it. But communication for me, I know was a huge, huge deal. And we talked about this on the last episode when we did the ghosting episode, when we talked about, I was dating a guy and because of who he was, I was afraid to be myself and just communicate a boundary to say, this type of communication is not acceptable for me. And I look back at it and I regret it because had he have been a regular schmegular Joe Schmo, I probably would have upheld that boundary. And it was a lesson for me. Don't don't compromise your boundaries for anyone, regardless of who they are, because we tend to compromise it if they're family, if they maybe are somebody important and we will defer from what we usually would do. Don't do that. I I I, I regret it. And it was such a huge lesson for me. And I listened to that episode that we did a couple times and it was a light bulb moment for me. And I'm so thankful that I heard that episode and that you were on there because I learned so much. So some of the things that you're saying right now is so therapeutic because it's like a light bulb was going off with with just the the connections with my childhood and dating. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening that are like, oh shit, I'm doing these things. Yeah. What about a relationship? If they're in a relationship, and they're not dating, but they're in a relationship with someone, how do you uphold boundaries when you're already with someone or when you're married to someone? It's going to take time and it's going to take patience because you've taught them that you're good with certain treatments up until this point, right? Like the married couples that I have been working with over the years or have worked with in the past, they they always, as I said, have come to me on the brink of divorce. Like I am ready to leave because they are that frustrated with themselves, but they're blaming it on their partner. And I think we tend to forget that. Like it's very easy to not communicate a boundary, hope they read your mind, hope they take your cues and your hints. And then when they don't, you get angry and resentful and go, they're not respecting me. They don't love me. They don't give me what I need. Well, no, you're not letting them know what you need. And the minute we get to that, and I get a lot of heat 
on my social media pages for really preaching personal accountability. But it's really important that we recognize the, the, the value of owning our own shit in these moments, you know, and as somebody who is highly sensitive or, you know, anybody like that, we tend to overcompensate and take accountability for other people's behaviors. And that's just a lack of boundaries on our end. But when we know I'm responsible for what I say, what I do, what I think, and what I feel, like everything that leaves me is my responsibility. If I didn't speak up and I wasn't clear, or I didn't tell you, then I can't be angry at you. I can be angry at myself. And that's really the main thing with a lot of people that are already in relationships or marriages is that they're wanting to blame the partner and they're not wanting to own their part in the situation. The minute they start taking accountability for, okay, yeah, I didn't speak up or I wasn't clear. I tried to tiptoe. I tried to drop hints. Uh, then it changes because now we start to change and communicate in a very clear and direct way. And then, you know, it takes a second. That person now has to kind of adjust to this new version of you who's actually speaking up for themselves. But more times than not, and I can say, and I I don't want to take credit for saving marriages, but I can say the marriages that have come to me on the brink of divorce have been salvaged because of that one thing. We learn to speak up. We learn to be clear. We learn to uphold it. And all of a sudden, they're like madly in love again. And you're like, well, thank God. <laughs> that's that's a really, really good point because a lot of times we think that people are going to understand where we're coming from. They think that we're that they should automatically know because especially if you're an empath or if you're someone who's sensitive, we often are the ones picking up on those things without them having to tell us because we are looking at the body cues. We're looking at how they're speaking. We're looking at their facial expressions. And so sometimes I think we're, I know I'm guilty of thinking that that person should know. I'm giving them clues. How do they not know that I'm upset? And we have to remember that everyone thinks differently. Everyone has had different upbringings. Not everybody is as intuitive as maybe you are. So you have to give yourself the benefit of the doubt and tell them directly, hey, this is how I'm feeling and just don't assume that they know. And that, that way, if they come back and they either are going to respect the boundary or they're not, you will know where you stand. So what happens if they do come back and they say, well, sorry, too bad, or they gaslight you? How do you react then if they're not upholding the boundary? Well, you uphold your boundary. That's where everybody kind of falls short is they think, okay, I spoke up, I said it, Amy, but it's not working. And I go, well, are are you respecting it? Because the boundary is for you. So like I could say a million times over, like I go to my parents, they start screaming and yelling. Okay. They're not respecting my boundary, but what am I doing to respect my own boundary? If I sit there and I tolerate it, then I'm not respecting myself. And, and the boundary is for me to feel good and me to feel safe. So if I'm around people unwilling or incapable or just, I don't know, we could say stubborn, but that would really be unwilling and resistant then I'm going to go respect it myself. And you're either going to play catch up. Like the minute I started leaving, the minute when, when my parents started yelling, they caught on real quick. Like, oh, we're not going to get time with Amy if we act like this. She's just going to leave. And we don't want that. We want to spend time with her. So we're going to shape the fuck up. So she sticks around and, and hangs out with us. So if you're, de- and listen, the gas lady behavior, that's in my family too. Oh, you're just too sensitive. Oh, like, why don't you just get over it? It was just a joke. No, it wasn't funny to me. Jokes have punchlines. That was outright mean. I'm leaving. I'll see you next time. And I'm out. And that's fine. You can stew in your gas lady behavior, but I'm not going to. Like, I'm responsible for this and feeling good. So if you are in a marriage or relationship and that's on the receiving end, then what I'm going to encourage you to do always is respect yourself. And that doesn't mean, again, you just leave the marriage or the relationship outright. That might mean you uphold it and uphold it and uphold it and then realize there's no shift. So now I got to take the next step, which is going to be a firmer 
way of upholding this. And that might mean now we separate or we start talking about dissolving this relationship or ending this marriage, but it can't be so black and white. Like if there's not going to be communication or respect coming from you to you, then you just jumping to the cutoff is a reactive place to go where, and, and let's just be clear. There are many circumstances where you need to jump and just cut people off or go no contact. There are plenty of those, but what we're talking about, I think in this example would be more so like, I'm already in a relationship. I've got kids involved or I don't, or I'm looking to a future and I'm trying to sustain this relationship. So what do I do? Well, speak up and respect yourself first before just running away from it. Cause that's, that's a way to avoid having to speak up and respect yourself is to just, Hey, I'm going now. Cause wherever you go, your shit's going with you. You find somebody else, you're going to have the same problem. So you might as well address it here and then see where it lands. And what about people who are people pleasing? Because I see that a lot of people who have trouble upholding boundaries with others have more of a people pleasing mentality and not everybody, but for those that do, because I know for me, I was always just wanting everyone to have a good time. I want everyone to be happy, even if it's at the compromise of myself. So for those that are going through those people pleasing mentalities, how do they stop doing that? How can they recognize that? Well, people pleasers are, are operating out of fear. We're scared that people, we're going to disappoint people. They're not going to love us. They're not going to accept us. They're going to leave us, abandon us, whatever. I had people pleasing tendencies coming out my ass. So I understand like the need to please and appease you. So you don't abandon me was like my main shtick. And, and, and what I had to realize is like, how manipulative am I? that I'm going to go above and beyond for you and, and endure whatever you're giving to me that I don't really want just to protect myself from you leaving me. And the more I did that, the more I caught on, I was just abandoning myself. I ended up feeling abandoned anyway in the process. So it's like, here I am chasing after the very thing I am doing to me. And I think that's what people pleasers really need to hear. Like take that and apply it to your specific people pleasing tendency. Like, are you scared you're going to disappoint someone? Are you scared they're going to reject you? Well, what are you doing in that process of pleasing and appeasing them? Rejecting your needs, disrespecting yourself, not hearing yourself, like whatever it is, you're doing that to you. And I think that often wakes us up and makes us realize, shit, I need boundaries. Like, not only is this not healthy for me, I'm hurting me and I'm manipulating my relationships just for selfish reasons. Like we, but we don't see that. We think I'm just a really good person. <laughs> like everyone's That's heavy shit. That is heavy shit. And that is powerful. When you get to the point where you're like, how manipulative am I that I have to do that in order not to feel abandoned? Wow. Mm -hmm. That is very, very, very powerful. And so with that, and you're setting boundaries with other people, if someone starts to feel guilty, how can they deal with that guilt? Because all of a sudden, if you go from having shit boundaries with people to say, you know what, I'm going to have boundaries with every person in my life, every relationship in my life, there's got to be a level of guilt that comes with that in the beginning. How does someone deal with that? Well, guilt's my favorite topic because when I say this to people, they're like, what? Guilt is your own self-judgment. So I'm judging me for what I need and I'm now blaming you for that judgment. I'm trying to think for you or I'm pretending to think for you and thinking, hey, if I speak up for myself, they're going to get angry or they're going to hurt me or they're going to leave me or they're going to think this about me. Really, I'm not in your head. You know, I don't know what you're thinking. So number one, that's impossible. Number two, that's my judgment. That's me judging me for what I need. Now, there are circumstances where somebody has repeatedly shown you time and time again, if you speak up for yourself or you set this boundary, they're going to always react this way. And, and in that type of situation, then that's where you got to uphold a firmer boundary with them. But in other scenarios where we're just like, 
oh my God, I don't want to say this to this person because I'm going to hurt their feelings or I'm going to let them down. No, you're going to let you down. Like stop taking your own judgment of, of respecting yourself in this situation and placing blame on them. They haven't said you've let them down. You're putting them in an unfair situation. You're trying to think for them. You're reacting for them. When really, this is just your your own way of avoiding having to set your own boundary. Oh, I feel bad. No, you don't. You just are judging you. Yeah, so... I feel like for me, you know, when I started upholding boundaries with other people, it was almost like a level of guilt. Like, okay, well, maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe this is just my anxiety kicking in. Maybe this is just my nervous system reacting. And it took a lot of work for me to get to the point where I had to allow myself that space to almost forgive myself to say, no, this is for your highest good. And if they don't understand, they can walk out the door. So how does someone heal and move forward, especially if they're highly sensitive um, or if they're struggling with past trauma or anxiety or an overactive nervous system? Where does the healing begin for someone who is dealing with these people in their lives? Does it start with boundaries? Does it start with therapy? What would you say is the first step? The first step is self-understanding. Like, let me understand why I feel this way whether it's annoyed, frustrated, hurt, disappointed, unloved, unsafe, unsupportive, whatever. Why? And and I always strongly encourage sitting down and, and really getting curious about why you feel the way you feel and why you're behaving the way you're behaving. So for people who are at the point in their life where they're starting to wonder like, how do I make a change here? How do I, I'm seeing a pattern in my life or I can't tolerate this behavior anymore. Start with you. Like don't take action with another person until you figure you out in that situation. What are you needing? Why are you feeling the way you're feeling, right? Like let's say I'm trying to come up with an example off, off the top of my head, but let's say like you're frustrated because you have a friend and they never put in much effort in your direction. And, you know, you start to notice that not only do they not reach out to you or initiate like conversations or hangouts, but the only time you see them is when you initiate it and you go to them, right? So you're just like, you're investing a lot of time and energy into someone. You're not really receiving anything in return. And now you're starting to get angry and resentful of this friendship or relationship, whatever. And so the first move isn't to yell at that person. The first move isn't like, Hey, like this is not fair. That's not a productive conversation to have. The first move is the hell am I doing? (laughs) What would I tolerate this from and pick another person in your life who you have no issue with, right? Would I tolerate this from my sister or my brother or whoever, whoever, whoever? Get some clarity around why you're behaving the way you behave. And then the next move is to decide what you want. Like, do I want this relationship or this friendship to transform? Or once I reach this place of clarity, have I realized there's really no value here anymore? This is not really the type of friendship that I'm looking for. And quite frankly, the more I dig into it, the more I realize that when I spend time with this person, I just feel shitty anyway. All we do is gossip or all we do is bitch about other people or she's always playing victim or whatever. If that's the place you get to, well, then no conversation really needs to happen. You can just back off and see how it unfolds. So this is why I'm I'm always like, reflect, ask yourself some questions, grab a journal. Like I can't tell you how life-changing it is for me daily when I'm feeling something that's off or I'm confused. I grab my journal immediately and I just start writing out how I'm feeling. And my goal is just find clarity. Like, why did I act that way? Or why did I react that way? Or why am I feeling that way? And once you get that cleared up, then you'll know, okay, do I need to have a conversation? Is there a boundary I need to set? Can I just back off and adjust my behavior? Like there are circumstances where you don't need to say anything. It can just, you know, dissipate. So that would be the first step for people who are realizing this and, and wanting to heal. 
Or you can be like me and bust out your tarot cards. I use them <laughs> every person. I'm not going to lie. If you are dating me, I've done a reading already. I've already asked my guides. I've already busted out the cards. If I need any advice, I'm pulling them out. But a journal works too, you know, that automatic writing and sometimes just connecting and and getting your feelings, connecting with your higher self, writing it out. I've done that too. And it works. Whatever works for whatever tool you have to pull yes. out of your toolbox. Everyone's got a toolbox and some people don't even know what tools that they have. And you might add more tools to your toolbox. You might hear this episode and buy yourself some tarot cards. You might hear this episode and you know what, let me connect with Amy. So whatever's in your toolbox, definitely use and Again, in my experience, and especially over the last year, like when I had my spiritual awakening about two years ago, a lot of people in my life made their exit, a lot. Mm -hmm. And I came to the conclusion that, like I said before, it's okay. But a lot of people have entered my life. Like I met you. I met people who are on the same path as me. I'm meeting all these entrepreneurs. I'm meeting all these healers. And it's amazing how it's just naturally happening and they're just being put in my path. And the people that don't meet my highest good are not. And I think it's partly having to do with boundary setting, being very solid with who I am as a person and what my expectations are. And I think when you do that, you have a higher level of frequency, you have a higher level of empowerment, and you will attract those type of people in your life. And I noticed too, I I did want to bring this up because I, I saw a post that you made that I thought was really, really interesting. And it was on social media having boundaries with social media. I want I want you to touch base on that a little bit because I think when we talk about boundaries, most people wouldn't think of social media, but I thought, I'm like, oh, that's brilliant because it's so true. Um, well, speaking on behalf of us who run businesses, right? Like it's it's essential to have it. And, and I know for me, and really I, I, I can say for a lot of people I know running online businesses, we get tons of DMs, we get tons of questions in the comment section, a lot of people wanting more from us and not respecting the fact that like what's on the page is free. And like, I've given you a lot and now there's a link and you can pay me for more. Right. And they want to take, take, take. And, and listen, this goes for anyone in your life. Like if you're willing to give, they're going to take for fuck's sake, if you're like, here's 20 bucks, Amy, I'm going to tell you, no, sure. I'll take it. You want to give me 20 more? Sure. I'll take it. Right. Like we're going to say yes to the things that we want more of, but it's our responsibility to be able to say no. And I've learned the hard way, especially in business where I, I overgive. I mean, I give a lot in my cap, like the feedback for like the amount of paragraphs I put in the caption is insane. Like I put a lot in the caption. So when somebody DMs me and has more questions. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, really? You want more from me? I just took the time to write all of this. You know how long that took me? And you're asking, you have the audacity to ask me more. Instead of getting angry, Amy, why don't you just be very clear instead of arguing with them, instead of trying to convince them like to respect you, just be very clear. So I had to start to adapt these boundaries of like, listen, like, I'm happy to answer your questions, but it's better if it's in a private and confidential setting. Here's the link to my services. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. And that's it. The end. I don't continue responding to them. That's the end of it. And I've had to do the same with like the types of comments I leave in my comment section, because for me, professionally, I find it very harmful to leave certain types of comments, especially when you're in mental health in any capacity, because the first place I go when I'm looking at anyone's page is the comment section. I want to see, does anyone else agree with my thought process? And if somebody has reacted and projected in your comment section and it's there, and now there's a thread of more comments underneath it, that is harming more people. It's not helping anybody. And so I've had to learn the boundaries for me to to decipher between what is a productive comment that disagrees with me that I'm happy to respond to, and what is a comment that is just highly triggered and they're not open to my feedback or my perspective. Like, what am I available for on my page? And I think that goes for anybody, even people with personal accounts. It's your home. Like, that's your home. 
So just as much as like, you're not letting anyone through that front door at your actual house. And maybe you even have rules in terms of like, take your shoes off, like take your jacket and put it here. You got to have those for your online spaces as well, because we spend a lot of time in, in this these days. And we spend an enormous amount of time just scrolling and reading and reading and soaking it in. And so if you're going to do that, you got to invest your time wisely and you, you got to be mindful of like what you're engaging in and what you're allowing in, you know, like I love celebrity gossip. I, I do, but I have to be able to limit what rabbit hole am I going down and is it doing more harm than good to my own psyche? Like, am I going to dwell? I used to watch Lifetime movies all the time. That is no good for me these days. (laughs) You know, like we need boundaries this way. We really do. We need to pay attention to like, am I in my spare time? Am I looking at motivational stuff? Because it makes me feel good and it gives me a new perspective. Or am I looking at it because I feel obligated to, right? Like you can do what you want to do. It just has to make sense to you and you have to know your own limitations. Love that. Your social media, I've said this before, is your library. Mm. You can fill your library up with shit and junk and OnlyFans or you know, whatever it is. Hey, that's on you. That's your prerogative, whatever you want to expose yourself to. Feet pictures, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> hey, you know, to each his own. Or you can fill your library up with things that are going to feed your soul, your mind and your, your spirituality. And of course it's a choice, but when we constantly expose ourselves to the the comments and the junk, it's going to affect our mood and even how we perceive the world. I love how you said about boundaries when it comes to your business, because I've had to uphold a lot of those boundaries, especially being, you know, a tarot reader. I've had a lot of people, well, can you just pull a few cards for me? Well, unfortunately I don't do free readings, but I do free lives at times, hop on a live. You're welcome to go on there. And if I feel implied to do a reading for you, I'll, I'll do that. That's my way of giving back. I was that one that I'm like, let me keep my follower count under a thousand. Stupid as fuck. I don't know why I was like that. I'm like, I have to have it look a certain way. I'm only, I'm going to follow accounts that are going to you know, follow me back. Now I don't give a fuck. If you don't like what I post, I, I literally had someone have the audacity to ask me, when are you going to post more full body bikini pictures? When I, I saw it, you talk about this the other day and I, I gasped I, when I want to, if I'm on a beach and I feel like I, I like the way I look and I like the background. If I want to post a bikini picture, I will, when I want to, not because you want to see it, but I've literally had messages like that. I'm going to post things that matter to me. And if you don't like it, you can unfollow. And I do the same thing. If you don't motivate me, I unfollow. If you motivate me and I like the content that you're putting out there because it's helping feed my soul and my mind. Even when I go to the gym now, I listen to podcasts. I like to learn. I want, and and you can do whatever you want, listen to music, whatever helps you. But I think the point that, that I'm trying to make is that those are my boundaries for myself. And that's how I'm respecting myself. So I love that you talked about social media because a lot of people don't think about that. No, they don't. And and if we're like, your boundaries go with you wherever you go. So honestly, they need to be consistent in your life in every area of your life. You need to have boundaries with your kids. You need to have boundaries with your friends, your coworkers, colleagues, social media, anything you're into, right? You got to have boundaries with food. You got to have boundaries with the gym. You got to have boundaries with your self-care routine. Like they exist everywhere. And, and I mean, honestly, social media is such a big part of our lives these days. It should be as important as having them with our friends and our family and our significant others. It really should, because a lot of people have switched out real life friends for virtual friends, right? Or like colleagues, I work from home, I work by myself. So meeting people like you online, like that's my colleague now, right? These are my people in my circle. And so you meet, I've had people meet me through business and then want, like, we don't have a friendship yet. Like we've had one exchange in the DMs and, and they're a professional as well, but now they're expecting free things from me. And I'm like, I don't care if you have like 800,000 more followers than me or whatever. Like my boundaries are going to hold strong across the board, whether you have less followers or more followers, more success, less success, whatever. 
this, you know, and, and I've let people kind of fall off that way. So it's, it's true when you are, especially when you're a healer and a helper in this capacity, people are just drawn to you and they want that from you. And, and honestly, sometimes, and I'm sure with you, with, with the tarot cards and everything, like people probably look to you and go, Oh my God, she has answers to my life that I don't have. And I need that from her because I'm desperate and and I need I need that information. And it goes the same for me in some capacity. They're like, just tell me what to say and how to say it. No, no, we can have a more in-depth conversation. I'm not gonna there none of my answers are just scripted across the board and can apply to every situation. Like your situation is different than the last person I talked to, and we need to have a conversation, and that's gonna cost you because you know, my time is, is, is a value. Absolutely. I I am so, I can relate so much on that. Your time is valuable. It really is. It's a currency. Time is a currency. Mm. Um, So before we wrap up, I want to start asking my guests one question that I can learn a little bit about them and that my viewers can get some feedback and maybe learn from their experiences. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Hmm. Which version of my younger <laughs> self? If you could narrow it down to one, or if you could if you can narrow it down to one, you know, one time in your life, what what advice would you give? I would I would say because standing from where I'm standing now, looking back, and what's most relevant to me now, looking back, I would say you're not as as wrong or stupid as others are telling you. Like it's okay to trust you. It's okay to like the things you like and believe in yourself and lean into those things and have your own opinions. Like for so long, especially when I was younger, I was told I was stupid. I was told that like the things that were of interest to me were stupid and not of value. And so it really over time made me not trust me and And, you know, then getting to a place where I wanted to start a business, the biggest thing you need to do when you start a business is believe in yourself and trust your moves. And, and I had to go through a process, even in this business to get back to that place of like, my way is right for me. What is aligned for me is what's going to work. And, and, and you and I chatted a little bit the other day on social media, just about that in our Instagram stories, like posting from an authentic place and just being yourself and staying true to you. That's what I would tell my younger self is like, listen to you and let that voice be loudest in your head, because that's really going to lead you down the path of success. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, Amy, thank you again, because your insight is just so valuable. Every time I, you know, look at your posts, I look at your stories, I always get so much just knowledge from the things that you say. Truly, it's it's therapeutic. And I've had many light bulbs that go off, which is why I had to bring you back on this show. So um, those that are listening that maybe didn't hear the episode that we did on ghosting, where can they follow you? I know you run an amazing podcast, which I'm also a fan of. It's, it's Connect the Dots, bitch. I love it. It's an amazing <laughs> podcast. If you don't follow her podcast, I'm going to link it um, for those that are um, listening on Apple, Spotify. I'm going to link everything for you guys. So where can they follow you? What are you doing? And um, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Absolutely. So I mean, I'm most active on Instagram at Amy, the life coach. I'm also pretty chatty on Twitter, same handle at Amy, the life coach. I make my attempts at TikTok. You do too. <laughs> we try. <laughs> we try. I'm trying to figure it out still. Yeah. At Amy, the life coach on all of those social media platforms, or you can head straight to my website and look at my services or my online resource center, the inner genius, which is Amy Fiedler. You'll find links to all of those things from there. And if you go to Amy's website, she has a free video on boundaries. Yes. yes. That can be found on your website, correct? Yeah. If they they join my email list, they get a free downloadable video, Boundaries 101. And uh, it kind of takes you through the whole boundary setting process. So it's really juicy and packed with value. And it's free. So go to her website and download it because it's valuable information. Amy, thank you so much. Um, So I'm humbled once again to have you on the show. I appreciate your time and your effort. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right. And thanks, everyone. See you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath. (laughs) 